0: Philippians 3 verse 12. Now that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The outcome of all your hard work was actually competing at an international level. What was that like walking out on the London Olympics?
1: Ah, it was amazing. My dream was coming true in that moment. Standing on the starting line at my first Olympics and all the injuries and the heartbreak and the setbacks that I'd gone through, all the disappointments, all the times that I wanted to quit, all the times that I was on crutches and all the times that I was running in freezing cold water. And continuing to just push on and believe that um, that one day my my chance would come up. Yeah.
0: You said that missing out on the Olympics caused you to to come to personal faith. Mm. What what was the process in that? What happened?
1: Yeah. So I was 16 when I qualified for my first Olympics. I was in year 11 at school and. You know, running was who I was. It was, you know, it was everything to me. It was soon after that I'd just been told that I would miss the Olympics through this injury. And, and a, a new girl came over, her name was Lisa, and she sat beside me and she said, hey, I just want you to know that I've been praying for you. In that moment, it just really touched me that that she had this idea of God, that um, that she could pray to him for something so trivial as my, As my injury, even though it was a big deal to me, I thought that God was so far away from it. Um, I didn't realize that he cared. I went to church with my new friend, Lisa, and I I heard the gospel. I heard about Jesus. After a couple of weeks, I I, I decided that this is what I wanted to live for. I wanted to live for Jesus.
2: Well, good morning. Uh, That is just a taste of uh, the videos that some of you will will be watching in your uh, groups during the week, our life groups, where we get together to uh, watch longer videos in our series, Faith Runs Deep, and then discuss how those stories of Australians who have faith in Jesus, uh, some high-profile, some I've never heard of, some historical figures, how their stories have been shaped by the Bible and by God, and then uh, look at the Bible and how those uh, uh, those passages, those Bible passages, can shape our lives as well. Uh, and uh, so today, as Chris has already said, and as you've seen from that video, we're looking at week five of six of this Faith Runs Deep series, That Other Religion, Sport. Uh, and Amy's not in the room right now. I was driving here thinking about how i wonder what she'd say about my sleep patterns over the last eight weeks watching cricket in england but um i don't want to know the answer to that so (laughs) let's not ask um but i did because i joked to her during the week that chris must have asked me to speak on this because he knows i have an entirely balanced view on um, sport and christian faith so i'm very qualified to speak on this but we'll see um, we are going to look at a couple of those, or particularly one of those passages, that uh, passage in 1 Corinthians, but of course this series is a little different in that we don't go through necessarily one uh, passage and, and look through that, but um, think about a topic. So let's pray uh, that we will uh, learn and grow this morning as we look at this uh, topic. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stories of people who have found purpose and uh, love like no other in relationship with you. And help us to see for ourselves, uh, from your word this morning, how we can find the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. I've read that it is the third biggest sporting event in the world, behind the Men's Football World Cup and the Olympic Games. And it's happening in Australia right now. Who knows what it is? Not Rugby Union, I heard over there. Goodness me. What is it? Is that a sport still? Anyway, um, Soccer World Cup, the Women's Football World Cup, exactly right. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, there's my obligatory selfie, so if we go back to the I just, you know, this is, um, if you see too many photos of sporting events I've been to, I'm sorry, but like, you know, I've got the stage today, but that's, that's me uh, at a game two week or around about two weeks ago, I just was in Sydney and I thought I just want to experience the event for myself. So I got along to a game, and you can tell, you know, some of you are thinking, why on earth would you want to do that? You can tell from my jacket all zipped up, it was freezing cold that night. If you look out at the players on the field, I don't know if you can tell from there, but there's no green and gold, so Australia weren't even playing. It was two countries I have no connection to whatsoever, Jamaica versus France. It was a nil-all draw in good football fashion, and I loved the experience. Okay, that's just me, I still loved it. Um, now, you can look at the stadium, uh, I I, I think I took that photo right at the end, and you can see it's packed. There's almost 40,000 people there to watch a, a Jamaica versus France uh, in a nil-all draw. But um, anyway, the Guardian News is already declaring that this has been halfway through, or well, a little over halfway through now, we're in the knockout uh, phase of the tournament, that it is the most successful uh, tournament in history. Uh, And they say it's got record television ratings and they've sold 1.7 million tickets to this event in Australia and New Zealand. And as I said, uh, my sister, well, my sister went to another game at that same stadium in Sydney, France versus Panama. I get get almost 30,000 people there to watch that game. So we do love our sports us Australians. If you look at your yeah, TV um, on any weekend, you can flick and sometimes I wish I had five screens going with all the sport that you can see on a weekend. Uh, now that might come as a surprise if you know me well. I often, when I preach, think, have I told too many stories about sport this week? But anyhow, so if you don't know me, I do kind of quite like sport a little bit. Um, but, uh, but why do we? Why do we like sport so much? What does it reveal about who we see ourselves as, who we want to be? where we put our hope and our our longings and all those sorts of things. Uh, And as I say, Carl Faze and many others have referred to sport as kind of like our our other religion, our civil religion in Australia. We refer to our stadiums as cathedrals, our our athletes are idols, people to kind of revere and look up to and worship. Uh, We wear our team colors. I think I've got a picture of some of us wearing our team colors, the correct team colors. Um, you know, to show our devotion to the team. Uh, and in, in, in February, we, we, we could take that photo off, um, I suppose. I, I don't want to embarrass. People start thinking if, they, if I take a photo of them, it's going to end up in a sermon. So anyway, um, <laughs> the Australian Financial Review reported that in Australia, um, our major broadcasters and streaming services spend a billion dollars a year to secure rights to sporting events. And in fact, Seven and Foxtel paid $4.5 billion for the rights to broadcast the AFL uh, alone, just that sport, over the next 10 years. So, I mean, Aussies love our sport. We put resources into it. We put time into it. We're willing to pay to go to games. Uh, And, of course, the Bible doesn't speak directly about any of those things, does it? About our modern, organised sports. I mean, they just didn't have those kind of things, and it wasn't certainly a commercial reality like it was nowadays in their time. But, of course, there are principles and teachings in the Bible that we can apply to our love of sport. And even if you don't like sport, this morning we'll see that there's something to you because the Bible, uh, well, I'll come to that actually. Uh, We're going to look at two passages, very briefly, one of them, but one, uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, a bit more. And consider the way that sport is used in the Bible, and I'll make two broad points about that. So whether you're cynical about the role of sport in Australian life or whether you love it, There'll be something there because we'll we'll look at uh, what the Bible has to say in terms of principles for us in thinking uh, about what sport reveals about our lives and our culture. Uh, The first thing then to say and the first broad point is that sport in the Bible is an image of the Christian life. And uh, we've read uh, two this morning. Chris mentioned one earlier. There are even other passages in the Bible where Paul particularly, one of the writers of a lot of our New Testament... Uh, describes living the Christian life uh, in terms of a sporting contest. He, he harnesses the physical and emotional connection people have with sport uh, to help us to live the life of faith, to show us what it's like to live the life of faith. And he's probably talking about in this one, in this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians. Um, history tells us that athletic contests. So it wasn't we didn't have sport in the way that we have it now, I suppose, but there were athletic contests in the Greek world and uh, in Corinth which is obviously one of the cities where one of our letters that we read, uh, part of the letter we read this morning was written to, hosted uh, a, a particular set of games every two years, Ismian Games. And they were second only in, in popularity to the Olympics, apparently, in the first century. And so Paul often uses images from those games. And you can see, if you've got that passage open, or if you've got your, your um, Bible app open in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, chapter 9, verse 24 seems like paul is encouraging us to think of our christian lives like a foot race so sport is an image of the christian life in the bible and here's one and he says the goal of the 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 life isn't just to kind of or the goal of a race isn't just to enter it to put your name down and kind of go yeah well i'm in it it's actually to run it and to try and win the thing um well unless you're somalian runner uh, nazra abuka uh, i don't know if anyone saw this in the news do you see this in the news this week this woman who ran in the uh, 100 metres at the World University Games. I've got a little clip of it, Andre. Um, uh, she was uh, apparently uh, looked untrained, unskilled. She ran in the, uh, world, uh, athletic, or the World University Athletics Games and ran the 100 metres in about double the time anyone else did uh, in that race. She did in about 20 seconds. So I suppose, I don't know if she was in that to win it, possibly not. But anyway... Uh, Paul would say we're not in the race just to kind of put our name down. We're in it to strive and to strive to win. And of course, every kind of metaphor breaks down at some point because he says only one person can win the race. Well, I suppose if you think you could stretch it and say, well, I guess Jesus—he is the one person who wins the race of the Christian life, never sinned, and uh, we are carried along with him. But we know that, of course, uh, that many people sort of win that race, get the prize, end up living with Jesus forever. Um, in jesus but anyway uh, he says that that like an athlete straining to win the race we are to strain and we are to put effort into our into our christian lives Um, so that's a similar idea in in philippians chapter 3 verse 14 paul presses on to the goal to win the prize and again what's that prize he talks in that passage a little bit in the verses above about knowing jesus uh, about knowing the, uh, the hope to which he's called and those sorts of things. It's about knowing the power of the resurrection. Uh, and so the offer, the prize that the Bible that Jesus offers us is that one day if we trust in Jesus, we will be able to re- experience resurrection life with him forever. We heard about Jesus' resurrection from death before. And all people who trust Jesus can be raised to life. The Bible says it. it sounds weird, but that's a promise the Bible makes. And we trust it because Jesus has risen from the dead. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, another one, he says he fought the good fight. He finished the race. So what does that tell us about the Christian life? Well, it's not just something you're born into uh, because of your family of origin, your, family, your birth family. It's not something you kind of just know a little bit about. You're kind of vaguely part of a culture or a set of friends who are christian and well yeah i'm kind of christian as well and you call yourself that but you live like everyone else around you the the christian life is not just sort of like this one-off decision you might make it a rally or an event or a church service uh, being a christian is something that is meant to revolutionize your whole life to change your whole life to change your priorities and attitudes your character and how you live life and I think Paul uses athletic metaphor because often that, that race, that journey, is, is hard. It, it's difficult. This points, I think, to a desire and a longing inside of all of us to work for and strive for something, to train and work towards something that really is meaningful and that will truly satisfy us. And sometimes we look to sport for those sorts of things. But the Bible says that life with Jesus is that life that we can live that will truly satisfy us. We'll come to that later as well. But Paul would say, particularly in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that it's not a life you can live half-heartedly. Kind of just with a toe in the water and kind of, oh, I kind of believe in Jesus. It's a life we live with purpose and meaning a life we live with dedication so he says top athletes dedicate their lives to training for their sport they work hard they look after their body and we're meant to live our whole lives uh, for god now what does that mean what does that look like all sorts of things right broadly It would mean eliminating those things in our lives that might cause us to sin, those things we know God doesn't want us to be doing or thinking or saying. Uh, It means prioritizing loving others and loving God. And now what does that look like? Well, that's something you'll have to spend time reflecting on and thinking about, working hard to think about. That's something you would want to bring other people in on as well and work on that with others because you can't do that on your own. It takes perseverance and it's described as a race because it's, it's hard to do. Sometimes with all the doubts and questions that we might have in life that are thrown up by others, by our own experiences in life, well, it can be hard to do, but we do that together and that's why we come together this morning, to be able to run that race together. So sin can be so hard to overcome, but like an athlete training for a race, are you striving towards godliness, whether you've been in the race for a long or short time? Are you aware and are you becoming more aware of how your character and priorities and actions and words need to be shaped more in line with God's word and with the Spirit's help? Are you aware of how you are becoming more like Jesus and how you might become even further more? Uh, even more like Jesus and are you allowing others into that race with you and, and helping others in that race as well of course we're so often blind to how we come across to others and so that's why we need one another to grow so together as God's people we want to get to the end line of that race we want to cross the finish line we want to be with Jesus forever as he promises to all people who believe in him and who continue to believe in him so that's why in verse 27, Paul says he doesn't want, any, he doesn't want to be disqualified from, from winning that prize. It's, it's worth it. It's so worth it, that prize, that, that we want to compete and aim for glory and triumph and celebration that we kind of look to for sport sometimes, but only God will offer something that will satisfy us to the end. Life's tough. And you saw these people who would reached the top in their various sports, that even for them... Reaching the pinnacle when life was tough, their sport couldn't satisfy them in the way that Jesus did. And that's a, a great testimony to what Jesus can do in our lives. Now, of course, I do believe Christian uh, being a Christian has benefits uh, benefits in, in, in way benefits us in ways, even now. And it does help us to deal with life's difficulties in ways we might not be able to otherwise. But even if you're a Christian, you're going to struggle. And some of you have struggled uh, uh, over the course of your life. And as you even look back... It might feel like you've wondered, where is God in all of this? But that's why, again, Paul describes the Christian life as being one like an athlete's discipline and training. We need help. Now, God does promise to help us even as we have struggle. He helps us to persevere through these times and get to the end. And he gives us the promises of of his word so that we know it'll be worth it. That there's a crown that will last forever. And that's what we're looking forward to. Now, the second broad point I wanted to make was as we see that the Bible Bible does uh, see sport as an image of the Christian life. The Bible would also encourage us to put sport in its proper place in our lives. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 is not a verse we read before, but it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now God being God deserves nothing less. There is no one more glorious than him. He deserves nothing less with his perfect character and nature. He is so glory. He deserves to be made known. He deserves to look good and, and, and for his glory to be reflected in our lives. And so this verse would encourage us then to do that, uh, to reflect God in whatever we do, and that can include sport. So sport can be an arena where we give glory to God. That might be in the way that uh, we develop character, even just enjoy the bodies he's given us, staying fit and healthy. It might be enjoying friendships and community. It might be the attitude and character in which we compete, which is different to people around us. Uh, sport can be a great opportunity to build community with people who don't come to church and uh, that's one of the aspects of belonging to the Tari Soccer Club I I really enjoy and so I pray for my teammates, I pray for opportunities to have meaningful conversations with them and perhaps even get to uh, 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 speak positively about Jesus and about faith in him and that can be a benefit of being part of a sporting club. And so of course we're free to enjoy sport that way and it's good to enjoy sport that way. But just remember that sport is such a big deal in Australia that we can invest too much uh, into sport. And we need to be aware of, attitudes, of sports, uh, attitudes to sport in our culture that we can be susceptible to. So as we reflect on sport as we do with anything else in our lives, we need to think, is this becoming too much to me? Can we honestly say that our, our, our attitudes... And our actions when it comes to sport are bringing glory to God. And let's be honest, sport can be a huge distraction from our relationship with God. It can even be like an idol. So, further on in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, in verse 1 of that chapter, Paul, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 10, verse 14, Paul says to flee from idolatry. So, get right away from it, run in the other direction, flee it from anything that would distract your devotion to God, distract you from your devotion to God. Now, Tim Keller in his, uh, in his book, uh, Counterfeit Gods, might be one you've read, says, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give what only God can give, anything that is so essential, or sorry, so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. Now, let's be honest, some people, to many of us, sport can be a little bit like that. Uh, when the interests of your idols become more important to you than godly living, well, well, that's a problem because you'll choose to disobey God if that idol has a grip on you. That might be in taking on attitudes like winning at all costs. If that's your attitude, if sport is your idol then you might choose to disobey god you might choose to be immoral in the way that you can conduct yourself on the field and uh, and, and it's a temptation for us now of course sports just one of many uh, any number of idols that promise the world and end up leaving us wanting because they they're fleeting any sporting success uh, is is fleeting and so they won't satisfy us in the way that god will satisfy us they won't give us that lasting pleasure and satisfaction that our hearts desire not like God will sport can be an idol in Australia remember when Tommy was six he wanted to play AFL we looked that up Uh, and it was only played on Sundays where we were and so it wasn't something that we were willing to consider. But that was okay, you got into soccer, that's fine. <laughs> sure many of you may have made similar decisions. Of course, there might be, maybe some of you have talented athletes in the family and there's difficult decisions for you. How do you prioritise loving God, loving God's people, serving God's people if representative tournaments are all on weekends and on Sundays particularly? Now, to be honest, I know some of you might have made different, different decisions to us, but we, uh, we have let our kids... Compete in various events on, on Sundays if it's a one-off. But we wouldn't let them try out for uh, teams that mean that they'll be away and missing church every Sunday. For us, it's just it's, it's just such a blessing, really, and a joy uh, for us to see our kids here on a Sunday, enjoying their friendships, enjoying the friendships of other Christians who encourage them in a life of faith, being mentored by uh, people who've been on the journey for longer. I mean, that that is just something that we don't want them missing out on. So if your kids are making representative teams or grandkids or whoever it is and travelling lots for matches and events, maybe for you that's something to think about. What, What is the vision that you have for your family? What do you want your kids to see in you as a priority? Who do you want influencing their lives? How will you help them to value Christian community, Christian worship, Christian teaching and encouragement, serving God's people. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.25, the athletes are striving for a crown that doesn't last. No matter what sporting achievement you you might fulfil, it's temporary. But if you're a Christian, you're heading toward a crown that will last forever and there's no greater prize. Now, I was lucky enough to be at the Melbourne Cricket Ground uh, for the 2005 AFL Grand Final, and that was one that the Sydney Swans won. It was their first premiership as the Sydney Swans, their first premiership combined with South Melbourne for 72 years, and, like, it was an amazing day. I did love being there. It was exhilarating and fun and all those things. I do remember, I mean, it's a long time ago, but I do remember really vividly, I'm sitting up in the stands... And I'd been a Christian for four or, four or five years at that point, about four years. And I did think when I'd been younger, all my life was directed to sport. I mean, I'd had a friend's dad say to me, Evan, what, what do you, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What do you really live for? And I said, oh, just playing cricket on Saturday. And he said to me, oh, that's fantastic. That's great. <laughs> you know, that was me when I was about 18 years old. And by the time I was at that grand final, I sat in the stands and I thought, huh, so that's it. That's, that's winning a grand final. Okay, well, they're back on zero points uh, come next up, March. Okay, I'm glad I've got something else to live for. Because I just, it was a vivid illustration of just how fleeting sporting success is. In 2005, that same year, I even got to see the Socceroos. I went to that game where they made um, the, the, their first World Cup in 32 years on penalties. As I said, that, I, I'm, I'll skip over that. I just want That's a, just another uh, event I was at. <laughs> um, <laughs> Amy was even at that one, would you believe? Not with me, with another friend. But anyway, um, it was enjoyable at the time. And as I say, I'm glad that I have something greater to live for because that success is, is so fleeting. And I think when I was 18, for me, sport was like it was an escape. There are other things in life that weren't going well. Um, I lacked direction. I lacked purpose in life. And in one sense, I guess it fulfilled a need. I mean, it, it was kind of healthy. I was getting active. I was able to be distracted from some of those, uh, from some of those uh, negative things that were happening in my life. But when I discovered that God loved me so much that He gave His Son, that if I believed in Him, I would have eternal life, it changed everything. And it was even better than the satisfaction and the escape that sport gave me. And so that's the encouragement this morning, that to live for God's glory is far greater than anything else that you could live for. Whether it's following your favourite sporting team or even playing representative sport yourself, nothing like that will compare to living for and with Jesus because he's so good, because he loves you so much. And there's no one else whose approval matters more than the approval of the God who made us, the God who forgives us because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, as we heard about before. So to wrap up, I think sport's good. I like sport. You know I do. And there's lots of great things about sport, as I've mentioned this morning. But of course, we can put a a lot of weight of expectation on sport that it simply can't carry. And we've seen from some of these passages this morning that yes, the Christian life is like a sporting event. We need to strain, but there's a prize on offer that beats anything that is on offer in sport. And that's where we can strive if we're a Christian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you very much for the gift of, of sport and athletic ability for uh, our ability to be involved in sport, to watch sport, to enjoy sport. But Lord, we pray that you help us to put sport in its proper place in our lives. Help us to live for you and for your glory. Uh, Help us to see how sport's an illustration of the Christian life. Help us to continue to strain ahead, to uh, continue in faith, continue to love and trust Jesus, to continue to grow in godly character. Lord, we pray that we will be a community that's marked by a godly character, by love, uh, by a, um, a character that reflects the priorities of Jesus. It's in his name we pray.